Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson, and I am here with my pal Leslie. And, you know, we have another interesting topic today. And this kind of grew out of, well, I think Leslie and I are at the phase of life where a lot of our friends and family members are going through grief and loss. And personally, I've had some friends lately who have lost parents. And, um, you know, I found myself had a lot of funerals lately and sitting there thinking it is tough to know what to say to someone in that situation. And I was thinking it might make a good podcast episode, but I thought I ought to check with Leslie, knowing that she too has had her own experiences with grief. And so Leslie, I just wanted to ask you before we get started, how you're feeling about a topic that might be heavy and close to home. Thanks for asking, Kate. I think grief is something that we absolutely have to talk about because it's so hard to talk about. When someone experiences loss in their life, you only really just want to help anything anything you could possibly do to make them feel better. Um, and for some of us are trying to find the happy medium between comforting and caring and supportive, but also not um, sort of one note. Does that make sense? Like, <clears throat> you know, you see people, a lot of times they put on Facebook, like, okay, I've had this terrible thing happen. And if you are a couple hours late to the game, everybody has said exactly the same thing that you're going to say. And then you're like, uh, I'm so sorry for your loss thinking about you. I've tried doing like the sending you love and light in this moment, which I think sounds like I'm Marianne Williamson. And (laughs) 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 Um, so, uh, you know, and is ultimately like, what does that even mean? Um, so, I think that this is a really good subject to talk about because we want to know how we convey those feelings and how to do it in a way that we are helping in addition to trying to help. Yeah, I mean, let's just start by saying there are many ways to respond that could be quote unquote right. Um, and so it's not like Leslie and I have any clue how to prescribe the right thing to say when somebody is grieving. In fact, there are some, I guess, kind of like endorsed lines that become a little nauseating because it's like, okay, those are somehow, I guess, pre-approved, I don't know, by like the, gr- by like the grief police that like these are okay things to say. And you already mentioned one of them, which was, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. You're in my thoughts. And look, there's nothing really wrong with those things. It's just like a little eye rolling when you think, okay, well, 45 people have said that to me. I'm glad you went to your pre-approved like things to say in a grief moment book. But sometimes what people really want is a moment of human connection. Can I just tell this like really ridiculous kind of sidebar story real quick? Um, So I had this really hysterical experience once at an old job where, you know, we would routinely pass around uh, birthday cards for people to sign. 
and um <laughs> you know what happened right so after like months of like oh sign so-and-so's birthday card just pass it around um somebody had a uh, you know a loss in their life and and so someone picked up a greeting card and said pass this around and a coworker of mine did not stop to read it and just wrote like enjoy your day <laughs> <laughs> wishing you the best <laughs> oh eat all the cake that you want it's your day that's listen i mean it's funny because that person got caught up in like what are the lines i say but they were applying the wrong lines to the wrong event and this is why it's way better to slow down and just like listen to a person, connect with them as two humans who are going through something rather than, oh, it's my turn to sign the card. Let me spin the wheel of things to say and see which one it lands on. Yeah. And I think it's important to know. And like you said, we don't really know what the right thing is. But I find like every time we have conversations like this, it's a workshop moment for me. And I come away with that and I'm like, wait, I want... I want to help. <laughs> I'm only trying to help. Um, is there something in my toolkit, my Kate toolkit that I could use? <laughs> I honestly, so I, it's, it, this is, these conversations always help me and I hope listener, they also help you kind of workshop um, that moment. So you're not feeling like you don't have those tools at hand. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's exactly the goal, which is to help people who are listening walk into that next funeral and feel like there are some things you can say that don't feel robotic or like they came out of a how to talk to people in a funeral <laughs> book. <laughs> Funerals for dummies, yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to a funeral once. Wow, we're laughing a lot about funerals. I'm glad that we can find some, hu- some levity in this. But um, so I didn't expect this to turn into funny funeral stories, but I have one. <laughs> I went to a funeral with someone who is so uncomfortable with all of this, like doesn't know what to say and, you know, really didn't want to be there. Like the whole idea of grief is just like creepy and tough. And, um, you know, in a lot of funerals, there's that moment where you go greet the the folk. What do you call the people who are like, you know, but like everyone there is a mourner. Um, Like... (laughs) This is almost definitely going to get cut because this is about to be because this is about to be inappropriate. But like like the main the main people like the the, the front row of the church people who are they? What do you call them? VIP. <laughs> Whoever they are, though, we're gonna think about we're gonna come up with a, a name to insert in there. The the VIP mourners. We, there's a moment in the funeral where you go up to them and you say something, right? And like, pressure's on. You have to come up with words for the very important mourners in the front row of the church or synagogue or wherever you are. And I was with a friend. We went up to the, the, the people who are, you know, mourning a parent. And the person I was with said, hey, how's it going? No. Yes, yes. And I looked at her like, you couldn't come up with anything. You know what? She might have even said, what's up? Which is like, what's up? My dad died. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what's up in my life right now. And it's funny in retrospect, but like, 
not funny at all when you're the person who's grieving and someone just came up to you at the funeral and said, hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, quick plug. A, f- a good friend of mine did a, um, a short for Comedy Central a couple years ago called Delco Proper. And their like first pilot episode was almost that exact thing. So if you're looking for that with some real Delco accents plus some general profanity um please go check it out it is hysterical we may be able to link to it from the website um but oh i don't mind but um i i don't know if i'm using the word ironically correctly here but um interestingly um that funeral that i'm referencing was a delco funeral (laughs) so if you're from um outside of where Leslie and I are, and you're wondering, what does Delco mean? Delco is short for Delaware County, Pennsylvania. It's a lovely place you ought to visit. Please let us know when you're around. Okay. Anyway, um, probably, hey, what's up? How's it going? Is not the best thing to say at a funeral. Um, we're We're not saying that you're a bad person. If you're saying that, what we're offering is maybe there are some tools we can equip you with. Okay. So, um, I made a little list of some of those things we commonly hear. The first one we've already mentioned a few times is, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I thought, well, what could you say instead of, I'm so sorry for your loss? I was reading a little article about this actually this morning, and it was, it was, it was like a, a critical look of the, at the word loss. And you and I have used it many times, so clearly we you know don't see much of a problem with it. But in this article that I read, Um, the author argued that um, when someone dies, there isn't necessarily a loss that they may remain with you. And so even the word loss may have some implications that we don't mean to have, like that this person is completely gone or, or, or even forgotten. And the author also suggested that there are, there are times when loss doesn't even begin to cut it. Like, Yes, maybe I lost somebody, quote unquote, but it's more than that. My life is forever altered, that my daily pattern behavior will be different. Um, The way I see the world will be different. And so this author was saying, sometimes loss is maybe too big a word for what happened, and sometimes it's not big enough. And we ought to think a little bit about what we're even suggesting with it. Um, I had never thought of any of that before. I I don't have any particular negative reaction to the word loss. I thought it was interesting to read about. My negative reaction to the phrase, I'm so sorry for your loss, is just that it's so obvious and almost rehearsed. It just doesn't feel genuine at all. It feels like, okay, well, how many millions of people have you said that to? Right, and as somebody who's grieving, at a certain point, you hit your like thoughts and prayers max level. Yeah. And, you know, there's even, I guess, a a way of hearing that of, you know, if I said, hey, Leslie, I'm really sorry for your loss, that only promotes that it's your loss, not mine. Like, I'm over here where things are fine. You're going through some crap right now. And that further separates us when somebody might be looking for some real connection. You know, I think that's when we are experiencing grief and things like that, it can hit, it's like various levels of how it hits people. And like the way that one person is experiencing it is no, is, is no better or worse than anybody else. It just is different. Um, I want to kind of asterisk this for a moment. Um, I'm like a, I don't know. I'm a pretty emotional person, I guess. And, um, for whatever reason, well, for all the reasons, duh. Um, I don't like going to funerals. 
I get extremely emotional and I have trouble containing my emotions. It's not even that I am grieving the person. I am secondhand experiencing the grief and emotions from the people, the VIPs. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, now you have to leave it. <laughs> um, so, um, and because of that, I, I very much shy away from going to funerals because there's nothing more inappropriate than somebody who's like a coworker a couple departments away sitting in the back row sobbing their face off, wailing, wailing tissues, snot, the whole nine. <laughs> like, and you're like, and who the hell are you that this is so upsetting to you? So I like, I, I just want to say, like, for me, um, I I try and not go to those things. It's almost out of respect because I don't know that I can always contain my things. It sort of stacks with all the other things happening in my life. I think what you're touching on is there are a lot of complexities happening in the room during a funeral. It is not just people in the front of the room talking about a person who died and people in the rows of chairs listening. There's way more going on in those four walls. I can think of a time I went to a funeral and the person who had passed away, um, I knew, but I didn't know very well. And I, you know, I was, I was there to show support and in front of me in the funeral was someone I knew very well who I knew recently lost a child. So that person was right in front of me, a grieving father at someone else's funeral. And I was completely distracted thinking about what he must be going through as someone who just buried a child and is now here. You know, it it almost doesn't matter how close he is to the person who passed away. He's reliving what was probably a very traumatic experience. And and that's, I think we're probably... I would have sat that one out. Wow. Yeah, I would have sat that one out. But, um, or I think, I don't know, I haven't been in that situation, but I think I would have. And, and we're probably a little off topic of like, what are things to say to someone who's grieving? But I, I'm telling this story to further illustrate your point, Leslie, that... It's complicated, and the people who we're trying to help through grief may um, be going through a great deal, but the people who are trying to be helpful are also going through a great deal, and we're all meeting with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, and so it's, it's a recipe for disaster in some cases. So um, about 10 minutes ago, uh, I think I said, let's start with this phrase, I'm sorry for your loss, um, and and think about what might be better. I came up with one idea, but this is not, again, it's not a prescription. I'm, like, I don't want people to walk away from this episode with more canned lines to use. So this, this isn't meant to be like, you know, add this to the pre-approved list of things to say, but just an idea of something you could play with. You don't need to keep this on a sticky note on your computer. <laughs> no, no, this does not need to go on any kind of list. Um, but rather than, I'm sorry for your loss, why don't we acknowledge just how heavy loss can be and say something like, look, I'm sure life may never be the same. Uh, and my heart just aches knowing that. And that to me is not canned. 
it shows connection. Like my heart is aching. So it's not like, oh, I'm sorry, you're going through a tough time. It's like, we're sort of in this together in some way. Um, and it acknowledges the weight of the situation. Life may never be the same. And my heart is aching thinking about that. Any reaction? Yeah, I love that. And I love that you didn't put an asterisk or like a butt. Like, <clears throat> it's so easy to sort of be like, oh, life may never be the same. But you're going to get through this and I know that you're going to come out and you're going to move on and you'll marry again. And like, whoa, uh, did you just bright side the death of my spouse? Oh, my God. Yeah, the person might be thinking right now, I can't even imagine getting through this. So please stop with all that. The person might also be thinking, I know, but can I just, yeah, yeah like, can I just have a day? My yeah. God, like, I know I'll get over it, but today is not that day. Um, and so please don't rush me. Um, and so that's, that's another thought. And actually what you brought up, Leslie, of like, you know, kind of look on the bright side or, or like trying to help someone feel positively about it. I think that is a nice bridge to the next one I had, which is something like, sometimes we say things like, oh, well, he's in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, now that is loaded with a million things we could pick apart. Um, one of them is this idea that it, it's it's trying to encourage a person to think positively. Well, they're in a better place. So what, am I supposed to be happy? I'm not happy about this. The other is the religious implication. So I'm sure we're going to piss off the war on Christmas crowd here. Um, but look, I am asking folks to consider that a very vulnerable person may not want to hear about your beliefs right now. Just right now, right? Maybe another time, another day, we could talk about heaven and hell and life after death and all those things. But when someone is like hanging by a thread right now and is just trying to survive the day, it's really not a good time to get philosophical about the afterlife with them. Um, Do you have any thoughts about that, Leslie? Yeah, I think part of this is also the 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 sort of way we as a culture i think tend to um employ some revisionist eulogizing here um where it's like oh well you know this person that passed they were just the most dedicated loving and sometimes of course that is the truth but no matter who they are they were a complicated human being and and you know you may be talking to somebody that you know they're grieving, but also they didn't, you know, they, they also remember the times that weren't that great. Um, and because there, there's, there is lots of, of glimpses of brilliance, but there was also the, the not so great stuff. That's really complicated. I don't know if that's too complicated for this podcast. cast. Um, I, Listen, I I think our listeners deserve complicated. I think they tune in for something a little bit thought-provoking. So I'm actually really glad you brought that up. And I hadn't thought about it in the context of this episode. I have been thinking about what you're describing um, in the context of a recent celebrity death. Um, So Kobe Bryant passed away and he, he was brilliant. I mean, Kobe Bryant was incredible he if you're not familiar that is shocking (laughs) but if you're not familiar yeah that's if you're not familiar um he was widely considered one of or potentially the greatest basketball player of all time and he passed away very suddenly in a helicopter crash and 
messages were pouring all out uh, all over about just how wonderful he was, what a good person he was, what a good family man he was, what a great basketball player he was. I agree with those things. Um, he was also a complicated person who made some mistakes and did some terrible things potentially. I mean, he was at least accused of some. Um, and and I think to acknowledge the complex Kobe Bryant is to acknowledge humanity and people who have good and bad. And uh, in many ways helps me as a living person know that even if I do some terrible things, that, that, that I'm, first of all, not alone. Even Kobe Bryant did some things that were not so great. Um, and it, you know, it helps me to see someone like Kobe Bryant remembered for the good and bad so that I don't have to worry that I will be remembered for only my worst days. That, you know, if we can get practiced at remembering the good and bad about people and that just becomes our habit, then I don't have to worry that when I pass away, someone's going to say, oh, Kate Watson, well, she said this thing to me one time and it really hurt my feelings. I'd like to be remembered for maybe some of the mistakes I've made, but also some of the good that I've done. And that's as true for celebrities as it is for all of us. This episode started off so inappropriately funny and <laughs> it's really gone, it's gone dark, but it's probably gone as dark as I thought it would. Um, so where does that leave us? You know, I guess where we've taken the conversation is to this place about complicated relationships. And um, sometimes we have complicated relationships with people who pass away. And we have complicated relationships with those who remain with us physically here. And um, we're all trying to navigate that in a very emotional time when there's been a death. And something you said earlier, Leslie, I want to come back to, which might be a good place to kind of bring this home, but people... Uh, I think we used the word, we were talking, maybe this was even before we hit record, about over-functioning. Um, we were talking about folks who just kick it into high gear and they do, 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 do. Okay, I got to plan a funeral. I got to get a caterer. I got to call the lawyer. We got to look at the will. We've got to clean out the closet. I've got to place all these phone calls. And they, they, get, um, they get a lot done and they appear to be very productive and folks might even say, wow, uh, look how well, I need a name, Susan. Susan, look how well Susan is doing. She seems like she's handling this so well. What a relief. I was worried Susan might be devastated and going through so much grief. She appears to be doing just fine. And um, the truth is Susan may be in some ways really functioning well. And she may also be what a lot of psychologists call over-functioning, which is doing too much and forgetting to take the moment to feel the pain. Uh, or maybe forgetting isn't the right word. Um, it could even be actively deciding not to feel the pain and process grief and to just go into action mode. Um, it's part of the reason that I try really hard to not overwhelm a person who, who has just lost someone in their life, but I usually wait about two to three weeks. Two to three weeks, I send flowers. Two to three weeks, I place a phone call. Two to three weeks is when I say, hey, do you want to go out and get a glass of wine and talk about so-and-so and remember the good old days or something like that? But in that, 
first or those first few days, they are in funeral planning mode, they are in devastation mode, or they're in overfunctioning mode. Whatever it is, it's just not a good time for me to insert myself. Um, and I, I have a, a personal belief that two to three weeks later is a good time to say, I'm still thinking about you. I love that idea. I think that, um, thank you for the word over-functioning because I was kind of using this term um, business mode. Um, So thank you for the actual term for it. Um, But I've seen this many, many times when someone goes through something like a loss where they are, there's that word again, um, where they are you know, thinking immediately of the ramifications and, well, I have to call cousin Becky and, um, oh my gosh, did she, did she split with her husband? Well, anyway, I'll call both of them and then I'm going to call the vet and let's make sure the vet knows to talk to me about what's going on with the animals. And I'm going to do this and this, and I'm going to go through, um, you know, my dearly departed's underwear drawer and make sure that I sort out what's worth donating and what's, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, you don't need to do all that right now. Um, You know, I think you're right. Put a little reminder in your calendar and like, you know, two or three weeks later when the lasagna left over from the repast is gone and, um, and the person is gone and life returns to, please see my air quotes, normal. And they're faced with that, you know, gap, that, that empty spot I think that's a perfect time to reach out and say I'm here and you know let's talk or let's go out or let's now let me send that lasagna (laughs) or uh, interestingly I feel the same way about when someone has a baby (laughs) so um you know but like yeah I think that after the dust settles that's when it gets the loneliest and I think that's when people feel like they're not allowed to grieve out loud anymore Yeah. um, I don't know if I'm just saying all over again what we've been saying, but I guess we started this off thinking about what are, what are some words that you might have for someone who says, Hey, I just want to let you know, my, my, my grandmother passed away. Um, And instead of, I'm so sorry for your loss, what are some words you could say? Fine. I think that could be really helpful. Um, But, but where we're taking this now is the idea that it might be most helpful for you to show up when all the others have gone away, when there are no other flowers coming anymore and there are no more dinners being left at the front door with a note that says, I thought you might be hungry. Two to three weeks later or two to three months later, that's when, as Leslie said, I'm going to steal your word here, it starts to really get lonely. Um, When all the other support that was pouring in starts to dry up, that can be the time that you decide to step in. Um, I don't know that I feel any need to end this on a high note. Shall we just say, hmm. I'm so sorry for your loss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, we're going to end it on all the things that make me cringe. So uh, I'm so sorry for your loss, thinking of you in this difficult time, and thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. (laughs) 